Glad you're here. Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Download the app and make every moment more. On the way, it's time to discuss the back half of the receiver depth chart, where two open spots could be had. Who's making their best case? Steve guesses receiver figures in the numbers game, and our one burning question asks, receiver speed or receiver size? Time to run the post route! Pleased you can make it in here to Bills by the Numbers, Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And we start with a discussion that will be taking place in many NFL personnel offices in the coming weeks, roster decisions. And we are specifically dealing with a decision to be made at Buffalo's receiver position, where we would seem to agree, Steve, that four spots are pretty much on lockdown heading into the back half of the preseason. That conceivably leaves two spots open going on the assumption that the Bills will carry six receivers on their 53-man roster. So after Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, and Deontay Hardy, who most would consider the four locks, who has impressed you the most beyond them through training camp in the preseason to this point? The guy who's caught my eye lately has been Andy Isabella. Uh, okay. He's got great speed. He gives them a dimension that they didn't don't have. Um, Hardy is also that guy. But Andy Isabella and Deontay Hardy are a little bit redundant. Um, so there, there's that. Um, another guy that I've been keeping my eye on is Terrell Shavers. Um, he's a little bit like Justin Shorter, the draft pick. They're big, long dudes. Um, Shavers is a little heavier, seems to be a little bit better laterally, uh, and had the quintessential roller coaster game against the Colts. A couple of great catches, a touchdown, a drop. A, a, a dropped through his hands for a pick six on a bubble screen. Uh, so it was it was as high as you get, scoring a touchdown, but then giving it back to him uh, on the screen. He did bounce back to get the touchdown. Yep. The screen pass for the pick six was the first play. Then he had a drop. Then he also got downfield and drew a defensive pass interference uh, penalty as well. So he, he, had, he was all over the joint. But yeah. Shavers has got some ability. I like him. But Shavers... Aitman, Shorter, Keyshawn Johnson, they're all big dudes who we still have to see what they can contribute in other ways. Yeah, Keyshawn Johnson's the guy that has impressed me. I thought his last three days of training camp were his best three days. So to be cresting with your play towards the end of camp and then made some plays in the first preseason game against the Colts as well, I think his play is trending up in terms of consistency, reliability, and again, as you mentioned, another big body, 6'1", thick frame. Right. He's kind of built like Gabe Davis. Yes. Um, I think that's an attractive thing as far as the Bills' offensive staff is concerned. So he's a guy that's kind of popped up on my radar. Among those who we deem to be in the hunt for one of these two roster spots, Steve, are the following players in no particular order. Khalil Shakir, Justin Shorter, Keyshawn Johnson, Tyrell Shavers, Andy Isabella, and Marcel Aitman. So let's break down their training camp and preseason performance one by one. Shakir made this roster as a rookie fifth-round pick last year, but had trouble getting on the field with just 10 receptions last season. His camp has been a bit uneven, almost equal amounts of up days and down days, and his performance in the first preseason game I think was a reflection of that as well. You know, made a couple of nice grabs and then had a 
you know, a drop on third down that he should have had. What kind of position do, do you think he finds himself in at this point? I think he's vulnerable. Um, he, was, he was the last receiver on the roster last year. They brought in John Brown. They brought back Cole Beasley. They tried to do some other things. And finally, you know, he was the last guy standing and he was yeah. on the field. Um, it, I kind of got that feeling. That might not have been the mindset of the coaching staff, but it took him a long time to get on the field. And certainly in the playoffs, they, had no, they, had, they played him. Uh, so I, I thought that was meant he was trending up. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that as camp begins this this year. They brought in some physical presence on the roster. We talked about it all off season. These guys are big, hmm. and I think it was a concerted effort. Um, they also brought in Deontay Hardy. They signed Andy Isabella, albeit late. Andy Isabella wasn't available. He was with the Baltimore Ravens until just before training camp. Um, he brings some speed, as does Hardy. I think that tells us something. I, I, the, the vulnerability Shakir has to me would be his athleticism. Um, he doesn't have the speed that Hardy or Isabella have. I don't even know that he could keep up in a foot race with, you know, Shavers, Shorter, Aitman, uh, Keyshawn Johnson. I don't know if he could, you know, if I don't know that he's Shakir. The, you're talking Shakir. About. I don't know that he could keep up with those guys in a flat out speed. So his athleticism. I mean, he's a fifth round draft pick for a reason. So I think he's vulnerable to these other guys, and I think they have played well enough, and certainly a lot of them, the guys we've been talking about, have flashed so that they know that there's something in that tank that if they could get it out of there consistently, those guys turn into really, really good players. Yeah. And I, I, I would tend to agree with you on Shakir. He's got to show more in the preseason games that are left to separate himself from a pack of guys that are pushing him now. Yes. And agree. you could argue some have done even more than him in the preseason. Now, granted, some of those players are doing it against second and third teamers. Shakir, for the most part, has gone against ones, some twos, in, you know, in the first preseason game against the Colts. But, yes, I, I think he has to do more to solidify his spot on this 53-man roster. Justin Shorter is this year's fifth-round pick. He's a big-bodied wideout with good straight-line speed. His route tree might be a bit limited due to that length. But he also offers special teams coverage ability. He's been getting a good deal of opportunities in camp on special teams and on the offense. He's got to show it now in the preseason after a very quiet preseason opener on offense. Yes, that's right. He's high. You say high. He's got long legs. So as you can imagine, it's hard for him to drop his center of gravity in a route and come out and explode in and out of breaks. It's hard for him to ch change the directions an issue for guys with long legs. Uh, but when he opens it up, they're hard to keep up with. So he's got some great um, open inline speed, but his lateral quickness is the one thing I would question. You're right. I, I think he's. they're going to give him an opportunity, but I think you earn those opportunities in the preseason games by practicing well. And I think the fact that we're seeing other guys emerge lets you know that they're playing a little better, more consistently than he is. So I'm, um, I, I don't. I think the one thing we've learned about Brandon Bean and and Sean McDermott, they're not married to anybody. Whether you're a first round draft pick or a rookie free agent, you're going to get a chance to make the team. And if you keep making the most of your opportunities, you're going to elevate. So that's why all these guys are absolutely yeah. in the conversation. Shorter for me is a guy that I think has had trouble getting consistent separation, and it's for some of the reasons that you talked about. 
So now it becomes a question of can he win in contested situations? Right. Because if you're not getting open on a consistent basis to make clean catches because it's hard for you to drop your weight, get in and out of breaks, and get separation that way, well, then you're just going to have to outleap people for footballs to make plays. And that didn't manifest itself in the first preseason game. He's got to show up in the second one. In the first preseason game, he was one of these first guys on the back half of the receiver depth chart that stepped on the field. Does that happen again this time around? We'll have to wait and see if some of the depth chart decisions have changed uh, going into these last two preseason games. One last thing about that. If you're not getting separation, certainly you may be able to win 50-50 balls and all that, but quarterbacks don't like throwing it to guys who aren't separated. Yeah. Um, And I know that it's Brandon Bean's call on the 53. He gets to pick those guys. But he listens to Sean McDermott. He listens to Ken Dorsey. Probably listens to Josh, too, listens, in this and case. That's exactly where I was going. He listens to Josh Allen and Matt Barkley and Kyle Allen, all those quarterbacks. Ken Dorsey will have the same view because he was a former quarterback. They'll say, listen, he, I like the guy. He makes those tough catches, but I don't want to have to keep throwing it to him when, yeah. when I don't know if it's going to be there. Um, that's – the question. So there's going to be some voices in the head of Brandon Bean saying, yeah, he's a good player. He makes those contested catches, but every catch is contested. He's yeah. never by himself. Then we've got Keyshawn Johnson, a third-year player out of Fresno State with good size, hands, and route running ability, capable of, capable of playing physical, familiar with the system, having been on the practice squad last season. What what can you say about Johnson? It always – three-year player um, has not played much if at all, there's reason for that. We don't know. We may not know what it is because he may come in here. But this is, let's face it, we think this is a hard roster to make. Yes. For a guy who's bounced around, why would it be that it clicks for him here in Buffalo and it hasn't clicked anywhere else? I, I have a theory on that. I'd like to hear it. My theory is this, because I think maybe not, you know, taking off, and all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? Where have you been? Right. I do think, as I said earlier, his play is on the uptick right now. And there are two things that I think about this. For guys that bounce around the league, you know, gets into camp with this team, on the practice squad with this team, released on the practice squad with this team, there's no way to assimilate yourself into the offensive system. Now, for the first time in his career – He's been somewhere for the second straight training camp. He's with the, with the Bills for a second year. He knows the system better. Now he's just going out and playing. And I think we're seeing some of his skills mm-hmm. as a receiver start to bear fruit. Now, yeah. is it going to be enough to right. make this 53-man roster? Maybe not. But I think we're seeing the best version of Keyshawn Johnson we've seen maybe is in, in his entire professional career. And for me... I think it gives him a chance because they are – here's the thing, too. You have Diggs, Davis, and Sherfield. Those are your top three, and I don't even think it's close. You need a backup for Gabe Davis, you know, a guy that can do – like because for me, I think if if Diggs or Davis gets hurt and they're out for a period of time, Sherfield slides up a notch, and now you need somebody to be Sherfield. Right. And for me – I think Keyshawn Johnson has the physicality to be all the things that Sherfield and or Davis might be. And now that he's showing consistency in his game, 
plus the fact that he's been here last year, I think those are attractive things for this coaching staff. Yeah, when you get it, and as well, we've been talking about it, but they got to cover kicks. If you're going to be a sixth wide receiver, they're going to keep six guys active on game day. That's true. Five, four, five, and six. If you're going to go with three wide receivers predominantly, four, five, and six got to play spe- special teams, mm-hmm. which means the guys like Andy Isabella uh, and – Deontay Hardy got to return kicks, which is great. That's that fills yep. a role, and they it's an important that. one. But a guy like Sure, like Sure, uh, shorter, like uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Keyshawn Johnson, Tyrell, Tyrell Shavers, Shavers, Marcel Aitman. Those guys are big enough. They got to cover them. They got to cover them or protect and punt team and then cover. And they're big enough to play down inside as a tackle or an end on punt team without having to be a gunner. With a small guy who's quick, those guys can play down inside, take up enough space mm-hmm. to take on a linebacker for a minute, for a second, and then release and outrun them down the field. So they give you a different role, different different type of snap than you know Isabella and Hardy. So there is that element to this because when you're on in game day, it, it's going to be Diggs, it's going to be Davis, it's going to be Sherfield on the field for predominantly most of the snaps. Yeah. So <laughs> you got to do something. You can't you do stand, something else. You don't get besides to stand this on ain't the high school football. You don't get to stand over there and drink Gatorade. You know, you got to do something. You got to get on the field in some way shape or form and help out. And that's yeah. where these guys could. You touched on this guy already earlier, but Tyrell Shavers, undrafted rookie out of San Diego State. He's made some plays in camp, had a touchdown in the preseason opener as Steve mentioned. What do you think is most working in his favor in comparison to the other competition he's up against? For me, it's been the thing that's working in his favor is the flash plays that he's made. Tough catches in training camp, the touchdown. Um, he's big. He's got that body. And I think it's the same thing that's actually working in his, in, against him is his inconsistency. He drops a pass and gets yeah. tipped for a pick pick six. He, you know, he that kind of thing. It's it's both ends of that spectrum. A drop, a tipped interception, um, that kind of thing. And I, it's the roller coaster that young players come mm-hmm. out or like they they kind of battle it. You'll see the the potential, but you got to live with a little bit of the other end of the spectrum as well. Yeah, I think the thing He's that he wildly has, inconsistent. Yeah, he. Yes, I would agree with that. The one quality he has that nobody else has, he has a gigantic catch radius. Yes. It is enormous. He seems he's to catch not it only well. tall and big, as you pointed out, he's long. His arms look like they go on forever. And so when he puts his hands over his head, if you're a quarterback, you've got to feel like you could put that thing nine feet in the air on a rope and he can mm. go up and get it because his catch radius is enormous. I think Aitman is the only guy whose catch radius comes close to that as Shavers. But as you pointed out, rookie, and with rookies, you are going to get some inconsistency as they acclimate themselves to the pro game. And unfortunately, with Shavers, we've seen some of that. So does he make the roster? Eh, I think he's more of a practice squad. Develop the guy and see if you can get more consistency out of him, and then you might really have something at that point in time. He was a late ad, but Andy Isabella is another player with receiver slash returnability, much like Hardy, and has made his presence felt in the passing game. You mentioned that he's a little duplicitous 
in terms of type of receiver with Deontay Hardy. Duplicitous. Like that, that was my 50 cent word of the podcast. Wait, I got um, to Google that real quick. And I so I know. think I'm using it right. <laughs> uh, what, how much does his body type being similar to Hardy hurt his chances? You know, cause he's, he's also a re- a return candidate. Hardy's a return candidate. They're the same stature. I would argue that is stature, and they're both very fast. I would argue that Isabella is more explosive and sudden at the snap, and I would I would say Hardy is more of the deep speed. Not to mm-hmm. say that Hardy isn't quick. I think Isabella is quicker, yeah. but I think Hardy once he's past people, it's over. Yeah, and the, the thing about Hardy too is he's already been an All Pro at the return game. Yes. So you know you're getting And they getting, signed him as a free agent for decent money. Right. You're getting you're getting a guy whose top end is as good as anybody in the league better than most guys in the league. Put it to you this way, they've essentially paid him double what they paid Isaiah McKenzie last year. Right. So so just kind of put um, that in your memory bank cuz the so money I, does matter. Yeah, certainly certainly it does. And the guy is a proven commodity. Andy Isabella while he is I think he's the same. That's why you look at those two guys and you, you do give up something. They're both slight in stature they're like you know they're like like they're sh- as tall as or shorter than me and they're shorter than you yes. yes they're shorter than me five six and five eight so they're small in stature so you worry a little bit about durability but they do give you some things in special teams and return game both kickoff and punt and when you talk about Shakir being a little vulnerable and you weigh those two guys against what Shakir brings Man, that's a hard that's a hard thing to balance because those guys are more versatile than Shakir is, in my opinion. And so you get the two of them in there, you're set, your your special team specialist, your kickoff, kickoff return guy are all set. Plus, you got some versatility and some real dynamic speed and athleticism at the slot receiver, and you got a little depth all of a sudden. Those two may be a better combination than Shakir by himself. Shakir by himself for sure, because one guy doesn't is not as good as two. But Shakir and Hardy and Shakir and Isabella, I may like Hardy and Isabella better than either of those. Than two any probably. combination with Shakir. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about looking at it that way. Yeah, I think, I think Isabella. I mean, Coach McDermott said it this week. He's opened some eyes. He's been impressive. And then the other thing he said about Andy Isabella, he has the DNA that we look for, brings it to the daily grind every day, comes early, right. stays late, time on the jugs machine. Kenny Dorsey, Ken Dorsey said the guy picked up the offense fast. He was making checks. His mentally Staying with it. Yeah, mentally being up to speed on the checks and balances of what happens on a play, in a play, after the play is called, when the quarterback starts making checks, he was on it. That's big for coaches. They need guys they can trust. I think he is one big preseason performance away from really making this a hard decision for this coaching staff. He oh, I, I, he takes yeah. a five-yard slant, Steve, and goes 60 yards to the house, or he takes a punt return 50 yards inside the 10-yard line in a preseason game in the two that we have left. He's really going to make it tough on this coaching staff to say no to him. I'm, I'm like a half a step ahead of you. I think – He's already made it a tough decision. If I think if some of those things that you said happen, you think he's on. I think it's done. Okay. I think that's it. I think that's it. I, 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 because you and I are out there. We have the luxury of being able to watch all the training camp yeah. and then watch it. He, he's been consistent. 
He's been consistent. And that's as important as the flash plays we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. You're, when you cut off the bottom drops of a roller coaster and it either it just goes up and then comes back to a, a pro level instead of a college or high school level. Right, right. You cut off those low dips in the performance and you got a really good player. And that's what he's done. He's been consistently at a high level with the rest of the roster of wide receivers. And with the with the abilities he brings to it and all the other stuff, the grind and the speed and the consistency, yeah, the flash plays might put it out of reach. And then there is Marcel Aitman. The XFL edition has come on of late in the preseason opener where he had a really good performance and the practices that have followed. What if his uptick in production continues? Now, usually what this coaching staff does, Steve, because granted, Aitman dominated, I wouldn't say dominated, but played very well against third-team defense of the Colts. So now, if you're the coaching staff, put him against second-teamers in Pittsburgh you know, in the second preseason game and maybe even again in the third preseason game and see if he if that production continues, right? That's kind of the way you got to go with him to see what you got. Yeah, you've got to make sure that you're not missing something. And Aitman, like, like all these guys, Aitman has some size. You know, he's a 6'4", 216 yeah, he's guy. big. <laughs> and long. And it's, it's and his third year in the league. And I would, I would okay, I'll let you finish, and then I'm going to throw something in here. Here's the thing. No matter what you think of him, and I've, I said it yesterday on the, on the regular sh- daily show, this team doesn't sign – some teams say it. This team proves it. They don't sign anybody without giving them a real chance to make the football team. And to me, I've, I haven't seen Aitman do anything that throws him out of the box, that excludes him from being st- – I haven't, I haven't seen anybody outplay him to the extent that it's like, wow, it's, he's, he can't make it. Mm-hmm. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen him do anything that says, well, you know, he hasn't measured up. And like you said, the guy's 6'4", 215, 216. This team loves traits. Right. I th- and if they signed him and gave him a chance, I have not seen him do anything to say he has blown that chance. Yeah, and I would say this because you know we mentioned how he is similar in body type to Shavers. Right, those are probably the guys with the two biggest catch radiuses on this football team at the receiver position. And Aitman is a more polished route runner than Shavers, just because he's been around the league a few years and has the reps. He's had a chance to polish up his game, and I think because of that, he gets the opportunity in the XFL and is productive. And now, he's showing it here. So he's, he's got a lot of work to do right through the end of the preseason, but I think he's, part, he's made himself part of the conversation. Can it continue if they line now, him up against better competition the rest of the way? That certainly will say a lot about it, but I, I think the, the one thing that we don't, and this was all the guys we've spoken about, all, the whole roster, we don't see him in meetings. We don't have conversations with them. We don't know their, their personality or how hard they're grinding or whether they're, you know, we don't know. Some of these guys may, like Andy Isabella, has hit it out of the park in his prep and getting and assimilating the offense and knowing the checks of, of the plays. We don't know most of that about these other guys. 
So there's all these there's these factors in their evaluation of Ken Dorsey and, and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean that we don't have any idea about. That's all the unknowns for us. We're kind of going on what we see, you know, just the bottom line of when they get on the field, what they look like. A lot of evaluation happens in places we can't enter. So we you know, that's the caveat we have to live with doing what we do. And that has a lot to say about it. But the bottom line is what happens on the field. So yeah. that's and that's what we're going with in our evaluations. So if f- spots five and six are open with one preseason game in the books, how do you handicap who makes the roster assuming they're keeping six wideouts? Like, for example, does Shakir have an edge because he's a former draft choice and he played here last year and he has familiarity with Josh and the system? Like, those are things that are working in his favor to maybe handicap the race his way. And then you have people that have popped up through the course of the preseason that you say, ooh, we need to get a longer look at that guy. How do you handicap right. this with presumably two spots open, spots five and six, Well, I, with I, some of the guys we've mentioned? My, my framework of making the decision is this. The, it's going to be the five best combination of guys. I don't care whether they're draft picks or rookie free agents. You can't do you can't go down that road because you're you've got a responsibility to the other twenty one starting positions on the team. So you're saying strictly body of work in camp in the preseason this summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because even if a guy was stellar last year, yeah, there's nothing that says he's gonna do that this year. So with that in mind, how do you handicap this group of five or six guys we've discussed? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think the Isabella and Hardy discussion is the crucial factor. Are uh, they too similar to keep two of them? I don't think that's, so. That's your argument, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, similar, but similar at a high level is okay. Yeah. Um, and plus, you can spread out. That gives you some freedom because if both those guys are doing the return stuff, you don't need a running back to do returns like Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. You don't need a DB to go back like Micah Hyde and, and field punts. You got that, and that's a plus for other areas of your roster. I like Hardy and Isabella a lot. I know they're undersized, and I know that leaves you lean, but there's no question all of these guys that we've talked about, from Keyshawn Johnson, Terrell Shavers, Marcel Aitman, Justin Shorter, all those guys are practice squad candidates, and I I wouldn't hesitate to keep any or all of them if you can, but I, I'm still leaning towards keeping Isabella and, and Hardy both. Well, Hardy, I think, is safe as the four. I think he's on the roster. So now you're talking Isabella, Shorter, Shavers, Johnson. I'm a Shavers. I'm a Shavers Aitman. and Isabella guy. So you're Shavers and Isabella. You're yeah. going with the tree and the runt. Yes. Yeah, I yes. For five Shavers, and six. So Shakir is not on your roster. Shavers is a 6'4", 211-pound rookie. I think he's got a big upside. Um, or if it's not – listen, if it's not Shavers, it's it's Patman, it's Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, we didn't even discuss Patman. Shorter. It's one of those guys. They're going to keep a big body. they got to keep a big body. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where I look at this, but I'm trying to look at it – from the coaching staff perspective. And 
We've talked, Steve, on The Daily Show and even on this show, Bills by the Numbers, about the turnover this offseason at the receiver position. There are only three players coming back from last year's roster, Diggs, Davis, and Shakir, out of the entire receiving core. That is it. Does this coaching staff want to deplete that continuity further, not keep Shakir on the 53, and bring in what amounts to four brand-new guys to the offense? Four is a big number. I mean, that's two-thirds of your receiving core. It may not make a difference. I'm just bringing it up as a possibility of something that they will inevitably discuss. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing they got to discuss. If we don't believe somebody like Shakir, for example, has done enough to win a roster spot on the 53, but we want to keep him in the pipeline on the practice squad, do we think he can clear waivers? I don't think he can. He would not clear waivers. And that means somebody else has taken him and he's gone. Gone for good. So now it be, so there are different conversations that are had in these rooms. One is, who's done the most to prove that they're one of the six best receivers on this roster? The second question is, if we got two guys that are close, who's got the better chance of making it through waivers so we can put them on the practice squad and then protect them there? That's part two of the conversation. I get it. And then number three is guaranteed money. Who has guaranteed money in their contract, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't really come into play here based on a lot of the guys we're talking about. But if you're asking me who's got a better chance of clearing waivers, Andy Isabella or Khalil Shakir, it might be Isabella. I don't Just know. because he's bounced around that. the league. I don't know. It might not be. It might I not be. I, look. The Bills signed Isabella as soon as he was available. Right. And I'm I a, don't think they're the first team. I don't think they're... Right. You know, I don't think they're the only team that had interest. I, I think you're right. I believe that at the end of the day, the Bills will subscribe to keeping the six best receivers they believe should yeah, be on not, their roster. They're not going to risk anybody they want on opening day. Correct. So I think those are the conversations, though, that, that will be had. And don't think that who can we get through waivers doesn't come up in those conversations and could potentially does. impact – some of those decisions. Because people, you hear fans all the time, Steve, say, hey, why, why did they not keep that guy? Or why did they keep this guy? Sometimes the, the margins are so fine between two players that it comes down to who can we sneak through waivers and get on our practice squad and protect him there because you can protect yeah, four players. Here's the thing. You can sneak guys through waivers for your practice squad. That's fine, but you're not going to sneak guys over waivers who you want on the active roster on open. Well, you don't want to take that risk. You're not going to do that. Yeah. So that, so I get all that. And yes, there is some of that going, particularly for the practice squad guys. But when you get to the practice squad, Brandon Bean, and he's done it. I've had the conversation with him. He'll go to those guys. He'll go to a Keyshawn Johnson or a, a Desmond Patton and say, "Listen, Patton, and say, listen." We want you here on the practice squad. We think you can play. And if we have an injury, you're the first you're, you're call. Gonna be, you're going to be the guy. And so if that, and they'll say, we want you to stay here. Now you can go play for, you can go to, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars if you want. And, and learn you know, a new offense. And learn a new and offense and get on their practice squad and then all of that. Um, but we would rather have, you know, we want you here. So that's the, the kind of, yeah. that's the kind of, conversation that goes on and the kids got to make a decision now if, if jacksonville's telling them we want you on our 53 
that's different because mm-hmm. that's like triple the money. Mm-hmm. And the kid, you can't say no to that. You can't say no. Yeah, but that's rare. That we always worry about. The, oh, they're gonna have. He's gonna. That's rare. You you don't have guys that go from training camp with the Buffalo Bills to the active roster of the Arizona Cardinals. It as as easy as that sounds for fans because their team, their finger quote, their team stinks. Our team's great. Our guy can, but maybe, but it doesn't happen because yeah. they got guys that they they love and respect down there too. So. It's not as big a risk as sometimes we make it out to be. Right. But there is a recruiting job that goes on by every general manager trying to get the guy to sign or stay. Yeah. Which the Bills have successfully done at times. Brought Kingsley Jonathan back from the Bears to their practice squad. Convinced Alec Anderson to Mm -hmm. stay here, even though there was interest from other teams, to put him on their 53. So interesting way in which the Bills have been able to convince some players in the development stages on their roster to hang around knowing there's an opportunity that's coming in the not-too-distant future. We transition to the numbers game, where we talk about two key subjects concerning receiving. Steve, are you ready? All right. little numbers game stuff here. Question number one. Since 2020, which receiver or tight end for the Bills ranks the highest in getting open best separation ability we should preface this by saying this is based on espn.com's analytics research steph diggs it is stefan diggs with an 87 rating well done steve kind of a layup question there thank you hey i'm I'm a genius uh question number two (laughs) who has the lowest rating in the bean mcdermott era at receiver or tight end when it comes to catch rate. Gabe Davis. It is not Gabe Davis. Uh, he was slightly behind the leader in this category. It was Jamison Crowder. 43 rating. Now, really? I think that's due in part to the fact that the sample size was small. Very small. Four yeah, games. Like four games, yeah. So that might be a little unfair, uh, but he is the answer. Question number three. Who rated the highest in yards after the catch since 2020 for the Bills, Steve. Now, it's not, to- it's not total yards after catch. It average is yards after catch. Average yards after catch. James Cook. It is not James Cook. It's, once again, the small sample size guy, one Jamison Crowder. Oh. How, much, how big a shame is it, Steve, that that guy Snapped broke his, his ankle, ankle in week four and we never got to That's see him? That's a squasher, man. Isn't that terrible? That's a squasher. That's, how, that's yeah, whatever. That, that's... Diggs was highly underrated. Yeah. Ripple effect there. Yeah. Diggs was right behind him with a 49 rating. Question four. Since 2020, for an overall rating on receivers and tight ends for the Bills, how many in the top seven for an overall receiver rating, how many in the top seven are still on Buffalo's roster since 2020? So there's seven players since 2020 that have the top two. There are three. You want to try and name them? Diggs. Yep. Knox. Yes. Come on, Steve. Make the sweep. Diggs. Knox. Wait. Don't think too hard. Still on the roster. Yep. Shakir. It was Gabe Davis. 
So close. I didn't think it was going to be that easy. I didn't want you to think hard on that. It should be noted that to qualify for the ratings list for 2022, you had to have at least 48 targets. Khalil Shakir did not have that total yeah, last year. Oh, okay. We well, did not did, have 48 if you'd targets. you told me that, I might have got. That's true. I might have gotten that. So close there, Steve, at the end Stabbing in the numbers the game for the Stabbing clean. The back by withholding Sweet information. <laughs> now I'm a backstabber. Wow. We jumped the shark rather quickly there. <laughs> not bad, though, in the numbers game. Hey, Bills fans, get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one Sportsbook. Just download the app today to play any way you want. Plus, with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. Best of all, you'll get paid for your winnings fast. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the Buffalo Bills. Time for our one burning question. And surprise, it deals with wide receivers. I think we can all agree that size was a priority for the personnel department this offseason when signing wideouts. Trent Sherfield, 6'1", Marcel Aitman, 6'4", Tyrell Shaver, 6'4", Keyshawn Johnson, 6'1", Isaiah Coulter, 6'2". But the other area of the passing game that is being harped on even more than it was last year was yards after catch, Steve, where pull-away speed clearly helps. Buffalo added that in Deontay Hardy, recently in Andy Isabella, and we believe Sherfield, but with two open receiver spots, do you think the Bills lean in favor of size or speed, or do they go one and one? I think they go. I think they go one and one. Okay. I think they they got to have a guy to step in if, if if Gabe Davis has another high ankle sprain or whatever, um, and if you know if Hardy or Sherfield or one of those guys goes down in the slot, they got to have a guy to go in and, and they can get find the dead area. Plus, they need a rotational system, too, because when these guys go out there and have these drives, they come off the field for a play or two or get a series off. They need somebody who can go in and, and hold up to it without changing the philosophy of their offense. So I think they back use those fourth and their fifth and sixth spots at the wide receiver as backups for all three spots that go in their 11 personnel. Yeah, package. I would tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be a one-in-one deal. One guy speed, one guy size, and who those two are, remains to be seen. There's a lot of preseason left to decide those two spots, but it is a fascinating conversation. We hope you enjoyed it with us. Our closing figure deals with catch percentage in the passing game. Which player on Buffalo's 2022 roster had the highest catch percentage on the team? You might be surprised to know that it was Dawson Knox at 77.3%, good for 49th overall in the NFL. All those tennis balls he's been tossing around with tight ends coach Rob Boris is obviously paying off. Second on the team, Devin Singletary, 73%. The top receiver on the Bills in catch percentage last season was Stephon Diggs at 70.5%, good for 75th in the league. That'll do it for this edition. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when a new episode is available for you. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next time, everybody. 